0: It's it's taken me months and months and months, maybe years, to try and exp- to try and explain to some of these coaches how tides in the ocean work. You know, with the moon and the sun moving around the earth, causing high tide, low tide, neap tide, that sort of thing. It's a very theoretical concept, and it's been really difficult to explain that. And it's almost as if there's this inertia in trying to get that complex theoretical idea across. But when when it came to Bitcoin, which is also a very complex a theoretical idea it's almost as if there was a lot more incentive to suddenly start learning about this thing teaching somebody about bitcoin you they're being educated about a whole bunch of other stuff that's not only bitcoin it's about finance it's about money it's about personal finance it's about responsibility it's about all these important things and and all of a sudden there's this incentive to learn faster than than what you learned before
1: Welcome to Bitcoin Basics with your hosts, Faris and Gordon. Visit BitcoinBasics.help if you need help buying and securing your Bitcoin.
2: Join our Bitcoin Basics community in our new Telegram group at BitcoinBasics.help slash Telegram. No ads, no old shitcoins, shit coins, no other nonsense, only Bitcoin information, education and discussion at BitcoinBasics.help slash Telegram.
3: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics Podcast with your hosts, Ferris and Gordon. And we have a really um, exciting guest with us today. Before we do that, let's go, go into our um, proof of recording. The price of Bitcoin is currently trading at 48875 US dollars That is 2,046 Satoshis per dollar, and the block height is 713,957. Now, Gordon, we just finished a really enjoyable conversation um, with Herman of Bitcoin um, Ikasi. I I really enjoyed this. Um, Gordon, what did you take away from it?
2: Yeah, you and I have... um interviewed many guests for us and, and nothing, nothing against them. That's That sounds really negative. But I think this is the first sort of guest that we've interviewed that is doing sort of a boots on the ground, grassroots uh, project with Bitcoin. And that is super exciting. It's super difficult as you'll hear some of the challenges that Herman's facing, but gee, what an amazing work. And And you have to start somewhere. So if you're one of those people who, like perhaps me, a little bit of an idealist and like, you know, Bitcoin's going to save the world, um, it's good to sort of see how that would be implemented in real life, in a real community. It's difficult. It really is. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Herman's got a passion and obviously you'll hear all about that. So I was fascinated by this interview. I could have gone on for another hour asking him about Bitcoin lightning and uh, on and off ramps and all that kind of stuff in terms of the friction. But um, yeah. Um, here's the interview.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself.
3: All right. So guys, it's a real pleasure to have with us all the way from South Africa, Herman Vivier. Herman is also Bitcoin Ecussi at Bitcoin Eccasi. So Herman, please tell us a little bit about yourself before you tell us what you do. How did you end up where you are today?
0: Sure. <laughs> um, where do I start? Um, yeah, I mean, look, um, basically we, we live in the, in the, in the Southern Cape of South Africa. Uh, I've got a wife and two kids and, um, how I ended up here. Pfft, yeah. That's, that's quite a long story. I suppose with regards to Bitcoin, um, I've been involved on and off since about 2013. Um, Fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole following the the whole banking crisis in Cyprus, uh, where people had the um, wealthy people primarily had deposits confiscated overnight um, to bail out uh, the banking system in Cyprus. There was quite a quite a bit a bit, a bit of a banking crisis there. And then yeah, I just I, I fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and uh, completely fell in love with Bitcoin from the get-go. The the whole idea of decentralization of power um it really really spoke to me um and uh yeah i've been i've been very interested in bitcoin I've, I've i've done a bit of writing for bitcoin magazine um i've had a few articles published with them uh nothing major but um and uh listened to a podcast with um michael peterson who started the bitcoin beach project in uh, they started in 2019 i believe and, um, yeah, I've been walking around with that idea in the back of my head since I heard that interview. Um, my wife and I started a nonprofit organization in 2010, um, which is the same year we got married. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a crazy story, but we, we got married and started a business right away and things were, you know... Yeah, I think things in South Africa were, you know, always been a tricky situation with inequality being very, very high. And we were young and idealistic, <laughs> very young and idealistic. And we started this NPO and um, with that NPO um, being pretty well established, uh, when I heard Michael Peterson talk about Bitcoin Beach, a light bulb just went off. And I thought, well, we could do something similar. Yeah. And um it kind of brought together two two things that I'm very passionate about, which on, on the one hand was this NPO that we've been running in the townships, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, Bitcoin, and um, bringing those two together. That's basically what, what Bitcoin Ekasi is.
2: That's awesome. And and don't worry, I'm old and idealistic, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Um, uh, now, we, uh, Faris and I have a million questions for you, but before we get started, because we always forget, Faris, um, do you want to plug yourself your website your twitter or whatever you want people to to follow you on
0: um yeah uh, we've got a we've've we've, we've got the twitter handle which is bitcoin ekasi at bitcoin ekasi um the, the the website that we um, that we are using is uh our, our parent organization so the NPO that we founded 10 years ago um we'll probably use that as, as our website. I don't think, I, at, at the moment, we're not gonna create a separate website. So that website is the surferkids.com. Um, the website belongs to the NPO um, that this whole effort is based around. Um, so yeah, but Bitcoin Ekasi is, re- is really just an offshoot of that NPO. Um, it's, it's very important to just make that very clear. Um, the, the, the Bitcoin Ekasi effort is, is in support of that nonprofit organization. Um, and the goal is sort of twofold. Uh, we want to we want to spread the adoption of Bitcoin similar to what Bitcoin Beach did. Um, but at the same time, we have to support that non that nonprofit organization because we're using them as a platform to get a foothold into the community. Um, so yeah, the, the website is the surferkids.com and the, and the Twitter handle is Bitcoin Ikasi. That's pretty much all we've got so far.
3: So what does the surferkids.com actually do?
0: So the Surf Kids is is a is an as a registered nonprofit organisation. Um, it's a donation based organisation. We've got a group of about forty kids uh, from a a township in Mossel Bay, a very very poor community, um, and we run a program that operates five days a week. Uh, we we coach forty kids how to surf basically. Um, It takes anywhere between three and five years to teach one of these kids to become a a proper surfer so they can surf pretty much any conditions that you can throw at them. Um, Yeah, the program runs from Tuesday to to Saturday and we've got one senior coach and three junior coaches working for the program. Um, I basically manage it um, in the background as far as possible. Uh, I don't want to be the face of the organization. It's, It's the coaches that do most of the hard work in the community. Um, and yeah, we're based at a beach that's called Diaz Beach in in Mossel Bay. Uh, Mossel Bay is a town of about hundred thousand people. It's about four hours four hours east of Cape Town, um, so it, it's not it's not one of South Africa's big cities. Um, but what makes the program feasible is the fact that you've got a really really poor community that's walking distance from a good surfing spot. Um, and the fact that it's walking distance means that we can run the program five days a week without having to worry about transport. So that brings down overheads quite a lot. So the kids walk up and down on a daily basis. And, uh, yeah, we, we recruit them as young as possible, anything between five and, and nine years old. Um, they join the program and, yeah, they, they learn surfing. That's what it's all about. The, the ultimate, uh, I guess. I guess the reason we're doing it is because we want to teach the kids something about commitment um so you know there's there's a lot of talk about about opportunities and equal opportunity and um you know obviously we, we can't we can't provide all all life's opportunities for these kids but what we can do is we can we can make sure that they're equipped um to make the most of whatever opportunities come their way um whenever that mm-hmm. happens and you know i mean it's just been a, it's it's just been sort of a, a belief of mine for a long time that whether you're rich or poor, you know, no no one's ever accomplished anything without commitment. Um you're gonna have to be committed to your goals um if you want to make anything of your life. And so we try and teach the kids that. And and surfing is a pretty good vehicle for that because it's got a really steep learning curve. Um, you know, it's it's easy to start having fun in the beginning and then the bug sort of bites you. Um but then to to progress it's it's not it's not a natural progression it's not like it's not like learning to run or kick a ball that it sort of happens naturally surfing happens in this completely foreign environment uh in the ocean and you're surrounded by an immense amount of power um and you've got to learn how to handle that so it's 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 quite a it's quite a steep learning curve. And uh, after about, f- I'd say it's, it's, normally about four to five years. Uh, these kids, learn, uh, learn to surf pretty well. And, and th- that's only happened because they were committed. They, they had to have shown up at least three, four times a week, um, over a course of, 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 of four to five years. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what the surfing kids does.
3: No, I, I can testify that Gordon and I grew up in Australia and I would look at surfing and go, that's one of those things where, I would just like to wake up and be good at it. I don't know if I've got the patience to learn it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's easier when you're a kid, obviously. Um, it's it's one of those things that's I don't know. I, I get. I guess it's like I I never learned to play the violin or or anything like that. But if I had to consider doing that now, it's just like, man, that's just going to be too difficult. I'm not even going to try. Um it's it's a really really steep learning curve and um so it 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 works well for that you know and and the ocean is such a powerful thing it's got so much so much natural power in it um that you you kind of yeah it it teaches a powerful lesson i am not i'm not 100 sure how it works but i know it does um so, yeah. so when you guys
3: set up the, the nonprofit organization, did you look at going through conventional funding through UN agencies or internal South African aid agencies?
0: Oh, We've, we've played around with quite a few different types of, of funding models. And um, we, don't, we, don't, we don't get any support from, from government. Uh, I think we're too small for that. It's, it's a very small organization um we've we've tried to grow the organization bigger but surfing being what it is you're very limited in how many kids you can accommodate i mean you know taking 20 kids into the ocean is is quite a is quite a task you know it's it's not it's not like playing around with 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 a bunch of soccer balls on a field where you can you know you can have three coaches looking after 100 kids if if you had to the ocean is a dangerous place if you don't know what you're doing so we've had to keep the organization quite small just because of that um, so we've never been really big, so it's been very difficult to attract corporate funding, um, government funding in South Africa. Sure, that's that's a tricky tricky one. Um, yeah, so we've 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 looked at different ways of funding the organisation. At, at the end of the day, the, the the thing that worked best for us was just community-based donations. Um, we we looked at at different ways of generating money through through all kinds of I- initiatives and the more you focus on, on, on income generating initiatives, the, the less attention you can focus on the kids, which is ultimately one, you, what you want to pay attention to. So we've always just moved back to, to funding it through, through donations, um, which has been tricky, obviously. I mean, we've never had more than three months of op- operating budget in the bank over the course of the last 10 years. So, uh, you, you can't, you can't plan two years ahead if you've only got a three month budget in the bank. Um, so that makes it really tricky, but you know it's still going. So, <laughs> yeah. So, no. how did Bitcoin fix you? <laughs> um, it hasn't yet. <laughs> um, me, me personally, or, or the organisation. So well. So why Bitcoin?
3: Sorry, why um. Down- Did bitcoin beach resonate with you what what difference has bitcoin actually made to the surfer kids
0: okay i i I see what you're asking um well i mean i've I've, we obviously started the surfer kids because we want to help people you know that's the world the world is i mean life life isn't fair right (laughs) we all know that um you know, but it but it's a little bit more unfair for some people than it is for others, and and that's got a lot to do with the circumstances that, that 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 you grow up in. Um, so we've, like I said, we we were young and idealistic when we started the NPO, and over the years, I've 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 come to, I've I've become very realistic about what it takes to change a person's life. Um, you know, there's that there's that old saying. Uh, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day and you teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime, which is true, but it's really difficult to teach somebody how to fish. It, it takes an Im- immense amount of energy to, to do that. And so to really change a person's life is, is, is incredibly difficult. And, and I've learned that with the surfer kids over the years. Um, you know, if, 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 if I've changed the lives of a hundred kids over the last 10 years, then, then that's a lot. Um, but it's, it's not a lot if you look at how much energy and time it's taken. Um, and so Bitcoin, Bitcoin beach resonated with me because, um, you know, it's like, it's like Jack Mallers said, you know, you're, you're plugging into this open monetary network. And I think, I think a lot of the things, a lot of the, a lot of the negative, um, impacts or a lot of the negative social structures that I'm fighting against trying to change these kids' lives come as a result of 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 the broken monetary system that we find ourselves in. Um, you know, there's 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 a huge emphasis on on, on, on for example, short, short-term gains in, in the community. The time preference is 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 a massive problem. Saving doesn't happen. Um, you know, it, it's 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 almost as if Bitcoin Bitcoin can fix a lot more than what I can on my own. So if I can, if I can use this NPO as a platform to kind of do what Bitcoin Beach did, then maybe I'd be changing not a hundred kids' lives in 10 years, but a thousand or ten thousand. Um, because the effect just sort of goes so much wider. You know, I mean, like Bitcoin Beach, for example, it's it's one little community and 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 look what happened. Um, it spread very far and very wide, um, far quicker than 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 what they would have if they didn't plug themselves into the Bitcoin network. So I, I don't know if that answers the question, but no.
3: <laughs> yeah, so what I was trying to, because Gordon and I both come from a background of um, international aid and development and studied trickle-down economics enough to know it really doesn't work. Um, so for me... Like one of, the, one of the criticisms of um, direct foreign aid, where, for example, you're using Bitcoin Beach or you're using Bitcoin to fund this program, the criticism would be, oh, well, there's no accountability for Herman. He can go ahead and do whatever he wants with that money. And this is why we need, and for those of you that can't watch this or listening, I'm air quoting heavily here, we need um, NGOs and third parties to trickle down that money to the people that need it. Um but that's, and this is where I'm excited about what you were doing because um, I see you active on Twitter and we're speaking to you, and I can actually see the work that you're doing. So I know if we're going to encourage people to send you some satoshis, it's going directly to assisting you. And as you said, you don't need to hire more staff to then apply for funding from third party sources. So, am I right in making that leap that by receiving? Bitcoin donations and by using the Bitcoin network, it's really opening up more opportunities for you and allowing you to do more, or is it just causing a bit more of an administrative hurdle by adopting Bitcoin instead of using a South African rent?
0: Um. Okay. So I think, I think I'd answer that in the following way. I mean, look, we have to, we have to pay the coaches that, that work for the surfer kids anyway. Um, if if we can if we can kill two birds with one stone, then that's kind of what what we're trying to do here. So what we've started doing is we've paying our coaches some of it in South African run and some of it in Bitcoin, and that's basically what underpins the Bitcoin Ekasi effort. Is that those coaches now receive a part of their salary in Bitcoin, and they're spending it at shops in the township. Um, so. If people if people do decide to to do, to to donate Bitcoin to this effort, you know, it's almost as if if you're going to donate South African Rand to the Survi Kids, you're accomplishing one thing, and that's you're you're supporting the NPO um, t- to do what it does, which is which is obviously very important. That's how we've been running for the past, you know, for the most part. For, for the past 10 years. But if you're gonna donate in Bitcoin, you can do two things instead of just one with the same amount of money. So if, if you're gonna donate a thousand rand in South African rand versus a thousand rand in Bitcoin, making that donation in Bitcoin, you know, that's, that's killing two birds with one stone because now you're still supporting the NBO because we're paying our coaches in Bitcoin. And obviously, salaries is the biggest expense. I mean, you know, the it's, it's salaries account for more than half of, of, of our funding requirements. Um, so you're, you're still supporting the NPO, but you're, you're also helping to, to kickstart this Bitcoin economy, which is in its very, very, very early stages. I must just qualify what I'm saying here. Um, it's it's very very early stages. We've only got three shops that are that are accepting Bitcoin in the township at the moment, and only two of them are really very active. Um, but it's it's only been four months, and so those Bitcoin donations can 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 help to to get this Bitcoin economy going in the township. Which, if it's successful, could have very positive impacts for people that are not connected to our NPO. I mean, look, our NPO only work, we only work with 40 kids. We can't accommodate more children. Uh, We don't have the space. We don't have enough coaches. And there's 4,000 kids in that township that need help. We can't help 4,000 kids. We can only help 40 kids. But if we can kickstart a Bitcoin economy, we can potentially help more, many more kids um, by virtue of Bitcoin being what it is, um, you know, and, and, and this is where, where, where what Bitcoin Beach did becomes such an important, um, you know, We, I mean, I always like to say we're standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, nothing I'm doing here is original. Um, I'm basically just looking at what they did and trying to, t- trying to repeat it. But one of the really important understandings that I got out of Bitcoin Beach was that people tend to think that poor people don't save. And. Um, and at the end of the day saving is is such an important such an important activity if you're going to try and lift yourself up you know you can you can throw you can throw food and clothes and money at people but if 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 they haven't got the right mentality you're not going to be able to change the way they operate but if you can implement that savings mentality and and bitcoin can do that bitcoin can implement that savings mentality because we don't Coming from a privileged perspective, we often don't realize that saving is really investing. Nobody saves cash in a bank. Nobody saves cash in a shoebox under the bed. If you're going to save, you're going to invest your money in some way, whether that's in the stock market or property or whatever. But what do you do if you've only got $100 or $10 a month? There's no investment that you can make there. And and this is what what Bitcoin Beach illustrated, is that all of a sudden really poor people who can only save $10 a month is actually saving that $10 a month. Whereas before they would have spent it, you know, um, do I really need to buy two Coca Colas today or can I survive with one Coca Cola and save the money for the other Coca Cola for next week or next month or next year. And I mean, there's a, there's a gentleman in, in El Zonte and El Salvador that, um, older guy, um, he's on the cover of Bitcoin magazine. Um, they just went back to print. And um, he's, he's the guy on the cover. He actually had his teeth replaced, which cost him several thousand several thousand dollars. But he did that by saving. Um, that was not That was not somebody else coming in and donating the money to him overnight and say, "There you go. There's a new set of teeth for you." He did that by slowly but surely saving up and saving in Bitcoin, which encourages saving rather than spending unnecessarily. He did that by saving up. And, you know, that's, that's, just, that's just one of the things that Bitcoin, being what it is, it, it can have that effect. Um, I don't know if it will have that effect where, where we are operating. It, that, that remains to be seen. But it definitely had that effect in El Zante and El Salvador. And our situation is not that different. So I'm pretty sure it can have a similar effect Yeah, um, But that, that remains to be seen. I don't know if that answers the question. Sorry.
1: (laughs) Did you know we provide a help desk at BitcoinBasics.help? Do you need help buying Bitcoin on an exchange or transferring your Satoshis to a Bitcoin wallet? Perhaps you need assistance with setting up a desktop, mobile or hardware wallet. Is your security hygiene up to date? We provide individual one-on-one support, regardless of your understanding of Bitcoin, size of investment, or level of technical ability. Visit bitcoinbasics.help.
2: I think you're selling yourself short a little bit, Herman. I think you're killing three birds with one stone. You've got uh, the educational aspect. And what you mentioned before, time preference, I think uh, can't be sort of misunderstood. From from a technical point of view, and I want to ask you about lightning uh, in a moment. Um, Playing devil's advocate, why? I mean, you've mentioned Bitcoin, and that's great. Maybe in a circular economy, so your coaches or or people are getting paid in Bitcoin, and they go to a local shop and they spend Bitcoin. But wouldn't it just be easier to have PayPal, to have Visa, to have you know whatever? Nowadays, all these banks have apps and whatnot. I'm sure the kids, maybe obviously they don't have a bank account, and that's perhaps one reason for Bitcoin, but wouldn't it be easier from an organizational point of view just to have, you know, PayPal or, or Patreon or some sort of crowd, crowdsource funding?
0: Uh, yeah, that's, it's obviously, it's a good question. Um, I think, I think one has to play devil's advocate with these sorts of things. Um, we, we can't, at least, at least in my line of work, I can't afford to be too optimistic. I've got to be very, very realistic. Um, So it's it's good to it's good to criticize and interrogate ideas like that. And I mean, yeah, it 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 might be easier to to have a a sort of a PayPal type scenario, you know, where you could hook the you could hook the vendors in the township up with the PayPal. I mean, if if they if they can have a Bitcoin wallet on their phone, they can have the PayPal app. There's no reason why why you cannot do that. Um, but you know, again, coming back to 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 what Bitcoin is. It, it's, because of its, it's because of the properties of Bitcoin that it's, it's, it's Bitcoin in particular that, that enables you to, to make that mental shift um, towards a, a type of money that encourages a savings mentality, a mentality where you think about the future rather than just being focused in the here and the now. And, you know, when your money finished next week, you just go back for the same handout that you received the week before rather than to plan ahead and think about, okay, wait, hang on. Um, let me rather save this little bit of money now and let's see what I can do with it next week. It's, it's, it's a, it's a sort of a mental shift. And um, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen, I've seen that mental shift happen in in one or two of our coaches and in one of the shop vendors that we're working with. Um, not to the same extent, obviously that they've seen it in El Zante, um, but it's still very early days for us and I don't know perhaps we can perhaps we can um, can can do the same thing here. Yeah. And yes, I think education, like you said, yeah, maybe we are killing three bits with one stone because since I mean've most most of my time running the NPO, I, I spend with the coaches, um, educating them, uh, whether it's with regards to actually running the program and, and how we're we going to do it and, and so on and so forth. For the last couple of months, it's been a lot of education around Bitcoin, obviously, um, how it works with trying to implement this. And I've never, I've, I've never experienced such, a, such a, a, a big amount of learning happening in, shut, in such a short space of time. As I did in these last couple of months when we started talking about Bitcoin. Something, something just something just switched on for them. And I I mean, look, you know, Bitcoin is Bitcoin is money, obviously. And and money is one of those very, very basic things that we all need to survive. Um, no matter who you are, where you live on this planet, you know, you need food, air, water, and money. <laughs> um, and all of those are are almost equally important. And so you know educating them about such a basic necessity for survival and showing them this thing that they've been using their entire life no but they've never really thought about what what is it what is money where does it come from or they've, they've they've used it their entire life but they've never actually thought about what it was and so when when we start about bitcoin it's just you know i it's maybe it's maybe a silly example but it's it's taken me months and months and months Maybe years to try and ex- to try and explain to some of these coaches how tides in the ocean work. You know, with the moon and the sun moving around the Earth, causing high tide, low tide, neap tide, that sort of thing. It's a very theoretical concept, and it's been really difficult to explain that. And it's almost as if there's this inertia in trying to get that complex theoretical idea across. But when when it came to Bitcoin, which is also a very complex a theoretical idea, it's almost as if there was a lot more incentive to suddenly start learning about this thing. Um, you know what? What incentive is there for them to understand the tides? But money, there's 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 that incentive. So so yeah, education. You know, it's 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 a it's a powerful. How can I put it? Um, teaching somebody about Bitcoin, you they they're being educated about a whole bunch of other stuff. That's not only Bitcoin, it's about finance, it's about money, it's about personal finance, it's about responsibility, it's about all these important things. And and all of a sudden, there's this incentive to learn faster than than what you learned before. So yeah, maybe, maybe it is three birds with one stone, I don't know, it, it remains to be seen, we'll, we'll see.
3: Well, I, I couldn't agree with you more there, Herman. Um, when we teach people about Bitcoin, we have, more than half the time we're teaching them about the current economic and financial um, system for them to appreciate Bitcoin. Um, having personal contacts in South Africa, um, I know that I mean in the last 10 years the South African rand has lost more than half its value against US dollar. So I know people are keen to get out of the rand and it is difficult to get rands out of the country. Um, how much do you think that has played into people looking to Bitcoin as an alternative? the fact that their local currency just keeps plummeting?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, look. First, yeah, first of all, South Africa has has really tight financial regulation. Um, you 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 you're very correct when you say that getting rands, getting money out of rands into other currencies is very difficult for a local person. Um, it's quite strange sometimes for people, for tourists who come here, who want to donate dollars to to our organization i have to tell them i look sorry i can't i can't accept that donation because as a south african citizen i cannot change dollars uh, it's like you give me a 100 dollar bill it's absolutely useless to me i can't do anything with it um the only way i can change it is to take that 100 dollar bill to another tourist and say hey look you know if you change this for me at a local currency exchange you can keep 5% and give me the other 95% but i personally can't change it so very very tight financial regulation difficult to get out of the south african round um i don't know how much that's played into people looking at bitcoin as an alternative just yet um maybe in 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 wealthier circles yeah certainly um but in in people who who are sort of you know at, at, at the lower end of the socio-economic status i don't think I don't think the 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 devaluation of the rand has has played into the into the bitcoin um sphere just yet. Um maybe because of the of the tight financial regulation, uh people have a natural tendency to be very suspicious of anything that is alternative. Um South Africa has has unfortunately um it's not something to be proud of, but I think I think it's either the the biggest and the second biggest uh, crypto scam, um, or the second and the third biggest crypto scam, or both South African scams. Um, MTI was a really big one, and then there was AfriCrypt. Um, so unfortunately, there's there's a there's there's a huge amount of suspicion around that, um, which obviously doesn't help uh, because these scams you know very loosely associate themselves with with bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general so people have been very very skeptical um mti was a massive scam i mean i i personally know many people who lost money as a result of that and they 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 tied themselves to bitcoin and so on to to steal a lot of money so i don't know if the devalu- if the devaluation of the rand has played into the has played into bitcoin's favor just yet um, certainly not in, in 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 the in the less educated uh lower socioeconomic areas um but that's again one of the reasons why we want to do what we want to do is because we would like to illustrate that look if you do it right bitcoin is not a scam <laughs> you know if yes there's all these other all, all these other scams out there but but if you do it right then bitcoin is a very can be very powerful for for anybody, no matter where you are on the on the on on the income income ladder, you know. Um, but yeah, the, the the South African rand has struggled a lot. There's been there's been upwards of 25 percent inflation uh, over the last five years, which which is quite a lot, and 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 that's that's the official figures. Um, you know, if you look at if if you look at food prices, which is obviously you know, if, if if you're if you're on on in in the lower income bracket, then then food prices is the most important thing um, to to think about. And I think there's been more than sure more than thirty percent inflation over the last two years, um, which which is massive. I I, I speak under correction. I'm, I'm I'm sort of loosely quoting numbers here, but 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 inflation has been a massive problem and devalu- devaluation against the dollar as well. Um, uh, the South African rand has not been a very good store of value, um, and poor people feel that. Obviously, you know, uh, they they instinctively know that it's better to spend their money today than to even try and save this hundred rand for next next month or next year. It's, it's just it's just a uh, it's 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 intuitively obvious if, if I can put it that way. Um, but yeah, hopefully, oh, hopefully. Yeah. Sorry, I'll go ahead.
3: That's it. That same sentiment, what you just said, is now expressed in US mainstream media is how do you fight inflation? Spend your paycheck as soon as you get it. <laughs> which is not a solution.
0: No. <laughs> no, it's it's not a solution. It's it's almost better to it's almost better to buy canned food with an expiry date. That's, I mean, if you don't mind eating that crap, which unfortunately a lot of people we work with have to, they have no choice, but that's a better store of value than, than our local currency.
2: <laughs> so just on that, uh, Herman and Faris mentions Gresham's law all the time. You spend your, your bad money first and then keep your better money. Um, and in the Bitcoin world, I mean, we love Bitcoin and, and in a circular economy, that's fantastic. You know, you get a salary in Bitcoin, pay for send center receive Bitcoin at the local shop. Absolutely fantastic. But what about getting out of in and out of Bitcoin in, Western countries, um, unless you want to KYC yourself to Coinbase, that's difficult. But I'm expecting it's even harder in South Africa. So what's the friction like? I mean, some people can't even get a bank account as we're talking about these marginalized kids. So what's the is is there a Paxville hotter hotter? Like what's what's the friction like of getting in and out of Bitcoin?
0: Um, yeah, that's that's an excellent point, obviously. Um fortunately, we, we were fortunate when we first launched that one of the vendors that we onboarded, one of the first vendors we onboarded had a had a shop that was uh, somewhat better connected to the legacy financial system. Um, and and this vendor had a bank account so we could link his bank account with a local exchange um, valor um, which which is one of the biggest exchanges in the country and and he he could convert, some of his Bitcoin into the local currency using that, and and that really that that was really critical because it proved to him that this is a real currency, this is real money. But yes, most of the shops that we deal with or hope to deal with um, don't have that. Uh, they operate out of makeshift structures like shipping containers and that sort of thing. Um, the 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 entire economy is is mostly cash based. In, in the township. Um, and yeah, even if you look at South Africa as a whole, um, I think almost 30% of the country is unbanked, which is not a significantly high number if, if you look at, at, at a lot of other African countries. South Africa, South Africa has a very well-developed financial industry uh, compared to a lot of other African countries. But obviously that, that number is, is much higher if you look at the areas that, that we are looking to focus on. And moving in and out of South African Rand is going to be a challenge. Um, fortunately, yes, there is Paxful. We can, we can use Paxful. We, our coaches have started playing around on the platform to see how they can trade in and out of Bitcoin. Um, you know, um, converting Bitcoin to local currency is going to be absolutely crucial um for for this effort um this is this is not going to be about uh holding on um, for the next 10 years uh, these shop owners are going to have to convert their their bitcoin to South African rand to pay their suppliers to go and buy more supplies um So that's going to be that's going to be quite a bit of a challenge but fortunately there's been there's been so much happening in the Bitcoin space these last couple of years. I don't think, Doing what we are trying to do now wouldn't have been possible four or five years ago, but today it might be. Uh, Bitrefill is also a very promising avenue. Um, they have greatly expanded their offerings in, in 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 the local South African market in the last couple of months. So they offer they they offer vouchers on their platform for one of the biggest retailers in the country, which is Pick and Pay. Um, it's a it's a change store. It's a grocery store. But you sell, they sell pretty much anything you can imagine: clothes, groceries, food items, um, and it's sort of like middle of the range. It's, it's not it's not an expensive store, it's not the cheapest either, but but you can buy wholesale stuff there. Uh, so they off, they offer vouchers. Um, i I've, I've used that myself. So, Bitrefill is an interesting avenue. Paxful is a very, very interesting avenue that we are looking to explore because Paxful lets you trade all manner of things for Bitcoin. You can exchange electricity credits for Bitcoin. You can exchange airtime for Bitcoin. You can you can even sell Bitcoin for cash um, without a bank account using um, um, they call it uh, cash send, which is kind of like if you've got an, if you've got access to an ATM. You don't need access to a bank account. Um, the person selling the Bitcoin needs access to a bank account. Sorry, the person buying the Bitcoin needs access to a bank account, but the person selling doesn't need access because the person buying the Bitcoin can do a cash send transaction where you literally go and pick up the cash at an ATM. You don't need a bank account. You get a, you get a PIN number. You enter the PIN number in the ATM, and the PIN number spits out the cash. Um Sorry, so do you need there a are...
3: card or anything? You don't need a card. It's just no. like a, a PIN number. Wow
0: yeah so so you would you would if if if, if I was, if i was buying the bitcoin from you then then you would send me the bitcoin um i've got a bank account and i would initiate this transaction on my bank account send you a pin number you don't have a bank account you would go to the atm enter the pin number and the atm spits out the cash um well, so one this- of Sorry, go ahead.
3: Can this be done? Sorry, can this be done round to rand as well? Is it just Bitcoin and RAND
0: transaction? So no, no it's saying, ran, It's round to round. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I can. So, I can. Sorry, go ahead.
3: Yeah. So sorry, because the unbanked, I know, is a, a huge part of what maintains people in poverty. Um. So this, is this something that the government initiated, or is this a, a private enterprise where they said, okay, you don't need a bank account to access cash?
0: Um. I think it's a bit of both. Um. But I must say. Bitcoiners love to hate on banks, <laughs> but um, I must say the banking the banking sector in South Africa um, has been has been relatively good in terms of trying to give people access to very basic services uh, with without them having a bank account. So if 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 I've got somebody working for me and I need to pay them in cash and they don't have a bank account then I can still pay them in cash even if they're not physically with me because I can send cash to an ATM wherever they located and they can just mm. go and pick up the cash at, at the ATM. So these kind of things make it possible to sell Bitcoin on Paxful with, without a bank account. And we are going to have to look into ways and means of doing that um, because the, the the vendors will have to move in and out of South African runs for obvious reasons.
1: Wow. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself.
3: I can see why that probably may have helped with Bitcoin adoption, knowing that there is no third party, that it is peer-to-peer where you're sending them a pin and they don't need a bank account. So this is just me making presumption. But yeah, I assume that would have helped people understand and appreciate Bitcoin going, okay, it's peer-to-peer transaction.
0: Yes, yes, I think... um... I think for those owners, for those shop vendors who don't have bank accounts and for whatever reason cannot get a bank account, um, it is quite attractive knowing that they can, can, can deal with something other than physical paper cash. Mm-hmm. Um, physical paper cash has its limitations, obviously. Um, it, it's a massive security risk. You know, What do you do with it? You know, put it in a box somewhere but you're always going to be a target if people know that if people know that you've got a shop and you deal only in physical cash you're always going to be a target. Um, but if you can't get a bank account, what's what's the alternative? And I think for those vendors, this has been quite an quite an attractive attractive idea. I mean again I have to say it's very early days. So it remains to be seen. But the moment the vendors realized that they can convert Bitcoin back into South African Rand, all of a sudden Bitcoin became a very, very, very attractive option for them. We just had to illustrate to them that this is real money. It's not some weird credit system where, you know, you're being pulled into a scam that there's no exit from.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people listening to this can see the benefits and um, greatness of of how Bitcoin could apply, but perhaps could you? Well, for example, you've been doing Lightning payments. Perhaps you could explain, you know, why Lightning and maybe what your experience with Lightning,
0: you know, what's and all has been. Um. Yeah, the Lightning Network. Uh, the lightning network is is really quite an interesting development on bitcoin um i think obviously you know we have to use the lightning network because we're dealing with very small transactions. So our coaches would would go to the shop and they would buy a, a bread and and a cool drink uh, for for two dollars um, and paying paying a one dollar fee on top of a transaction like that for a for a for a transaction that gets get recorded on the blockchain is obviously silly um so with without the Lightning network or without some other scaling method that that drastically lowers the fees an initiative like this just would never get off the ground um
2: so why not so. use our favorite coin xrp ripple because i hear it's cheaper and faster <laughs> than bitcoin <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, I mean, look, this, this, this takes us into the, into the philosophy of, of, of Bitcoin and, and what makes it, um, what, what makes it important as a, as a cryptocurrency. Um, and I, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak on anyone else's behalf, but, um, you know, I was, I, 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 I sort of, I sort of experienced the block wars of 2017 sitting on the sidelines, but, I had a, I, I, I obviously had, had a lot of interest in what was going on, um, having having been into Bitcoin for about uh, for, for about four years at that time, and I was quite nervous, like everybody else was, and I think my experience coming out of that was that I, I very much appreciate the the drive in in the Bitcoin community to prioritize decentralization above all else. Um, Because I think that's what gives Bitcoin its core value proposition is to the more decentralized it becomes, the more unstoppable it becomes. Um, You know, if you can have 150,000 full nodes running, then that's better than 100,000 full nodes, which is better than 50,000 full nodes. And if you can bring that number up to 250,000 full nodes, which all of them are archiving the entire blockchain and auditing the supply on an ongoing basis and recording every single transaction to a hard drive that's located anywhere you can imagine then then that's what enables decentralization and for that decentralization you have to make certain trade-offs um, and then, and it's just a matter of you you can't you can't have you can't have decentralization to its full extent if you're going to add complexity to the blockchain um and that's that's been shown to be the case, you know, with something like Ethereum, which is a lot more complex and a lot more functional. But from personal experience, I know that running a full archival node, um, unless you've got a, a, a top of the range gaming laptop, it's just not gonna happen. You know, I've oh,
2: got not even probably
0: about three thousand dollars to run a, a full archival node. Yeah. So I've got I've got two I've got two old laptops which which were donated to our NPO, and I can run I can run Bitcoin full nodes on them, um, you know, and 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 that's because the the, the developers opted to to keep the protocol um, simplified. But then that that limits the speed of transactions. It limits the amount of transactions you can have in a block. Um, and so the Lightning Network is really, or something like the Lightning Network. I mean, there could be other. There could be other solutions to scaling on top of Bitcoin in the future. It doesn't doesn't have to be the Lightning Network, but something like it is going to be needed to to make transactions fast and and cheap. And I think the trade-offs that you get with the Lightning Network, um, again, there's always trade-offs. There's no no perfect solution that solves everything perfectly all at the same time. so I think the trade-offs that you get with a Lightning Network, even if, it's, if, even if it's a custodial type of service, um, which most of the Lightning wallets at this point are, it's okay if you're dealing with small amounts of Bitcoin. So we've been encouraging our coaches to have a wallet where they would spend their Bitcoin in a semi-custodial type of setup. But then if they want to save a little bit of Bitcoin, they would move that into a wallet which holds their own private keys and it's recorded in transactions on the blockchain as opposed to a, a custodial Lightning wallet.
3: That's excellent, Herman. I'm just wondering, Herman, with the price volatility in Bitcoin, how has that affected people's perceptions? Has it scared them off of investing
0: or using it? Yeah, that's 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 a good question. <laughs> the volatility is always, um, always something to to think about we uh, we've only been going for four months. So we haven't seen one of those really scary price drops just yet. Um, you know, we've, we've had this recent one, which was uh, about a week and a half started about a week and a half ago, where we, I think it dropped from about $54,000 to down to the low forties. Um, I think that that's been the biggest one so far. Um but you know this is one of the f- things that we tried to really hammer in when we first approached the vendors is that from the very beginning we said look we have no idea what's going to happen to the price of this thing so whatever you do keep it small um we've only all in all our coaches um if, if you look at if, if you take all four coaches and you take all three shops where they've been spending their Bitcoin over the course of the last three, four months, they've, in its entirety, they've only spent about $300 worth of Bitcoin. And that's spread over the course of four months, divided between four coaches and three different shops. So we're not talking about a massive amount of money. These these shops have have not moved over to a Bitcoin standard by a long shot. So I think the price volatility has not affected them to the extent that it's been catastrophic. Um, and, and there's a good reason why we started small. Um, if it grows, if the effort grows, then we'd have to look at, at managing that by implementing a sort of a, a, balancing, a balancing act where you would move out of Bitcoin into South African rands at, at regular intervals to sort of, to sort of counteract that, depending on on what the vendor, the shop owner wants to do. Um, but we haven't lost any of them yet due to volatility.
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. And all this adoption is, is really exciting, especially for us, you know, over here sort of in the West. Could you run us through, say, an adoption? There's a new store in town that they're on board. What does that onboarding process looks like? Like, do you get them set up with BTC Pay Server and a wallet, or whatnot? Are they running their own three thousand um, dollar full node with SSDs? Uh, what What's happening there?
0: Uh, no, no, it's, it's 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 a it's a it's a simplified, very very simplified setup uh, so far. Um, at the moment, what we would do is we we would approach a new shop. Um, Look, again, very early days. We've only got three shops that are on board so far. And to be perfectly honest with you, most of our work in the community has gone into keeping those three shops on board rather than to onboard more new shops um, for now. So we, are, we, we have onboarded some shops who have lost interest, um, but we have been able to keep these three shops on board. We've identified 13 shops in the township um and we only want to uh, that's that's one three, 13 not not three zero um so we want to we want to eventually onboard all 13 of them um but for now we've only approached we've approached six shops and out of the six we've been able to onboard onboard three uh we've got we've got a map on google maps that kind of shows the layout of which shops we, we've identified which ones we've spoken to i post that every now and then i post a little update when we've got a new shop on board but basically one of our coaches would go into the shop and he would install a wallet like moon wallet or blue wallet for the vendor and he would just send them some sats and say hey look this is how this thing works. This is what it is. And you would just start talking to the, start talking to the vendor about Bitcoin, um, trying to explain what it is. Um, maybe try and connect them with one of the other shop owners. Um, Cause they're all in a very, very close community. Um, you know, they, they all have agreements. All the shops are in the same township. So they, they all work sort of with each other, but, they're they obviously competing, but they don't undercut each other by too much or whatever. So try and get them to chat to each other and then slowly but surely try and make some purchases. The, the coach would go back a day later and try and buy a cool drink from, from this person in, in Bitcoin. And if, if they do come on board, what we do is we will set them up with a Bitcoin wallet um, that lets them uh, print a LNURL QR code so that we can just the coaches can walk in, scan the QR code, enter the amount, and send the payment. And they don't actually, the, the vendor doesn't actually have to do anything from their side in order to accept the payment. So there's no setting up of invoices or stuff like that. And that's also quite a quite a nice setup for them because it simplifies their life. They don't have to, they don't have to count out change. They don't have to break a 50 into 20s and five RAND coins and two RAND coins if they haven't got change. Um, and then we would just, you know, the coaches will just go back and, and, and try and keep on spending Bitcoin at that shop. Um, we haven't got, uh, I would like to eventually implement something along the lines of what they've got at Bitcoin beach, which is a, a wallet that is tailor-made, um, for the community itself. Um, I have been talking to the, to the guys at Galloway, uh, which is the company that, um, that developed the Bitcoin beach software. Um, and if, if we can get something like that set up here, I think ultimately the ideal situation would be to, to do what Bitcoin beach did, which is a, a community bank, where you don't have to worry about people living in shacks, uh, storing backups, you know, I mean, we, we, we talking about people who, who live in really desperate circumstances. Yeah. If, if the wind blows, they lose their roof type of thing, you know, so writing down a 12-word seed phrase in a situation like that is not, it's not ideal. Um, so what, what Bitcoin the way Bitcoin Beach solved that was to set up a, a multi-seq wallet where the majority of the Bitcoin circulating in the community is held by a, a bank of community members. So I, as a community member, don't hold my private keys, but I know where the person lives who does hold the private keys and that person alone can't do anything because it's a multi-sig setup where he needs nine or ten other signatories to do anything with the bitcoin so it's sort of halfway in between the custodial and the non-custodial setup
2: so it's like a 30 or 50 multi-sig
0: i think bitcoin beach has a nine of i'm, I'm not sure but it's, it's quite it's quite a large multi-sig setup yeah Wow. That's
3: brilliant. Are you familiar with um, Muhammad Yunus and the Grameen Bank?
0: No. This is exactly what he
3: did back back in the eighties. So he he saw that um, this was in Indonesia or Pakistan. Sorry, I can't remember which one. But he basically saw that um, aid trickle down aid wasn't working. So he and he set up a system where he worked with the unbanked people who could not get bank accounts. <laughs> And the problem was they had no collateral, but the collateral was a group. So five people would form a business and it was usually women, five women would form a business. If one of them felt ill or couldn't do something, the other four would make the repayments for them. So basically what what you've done is exactly based on, he ended up winning the Nobel prize for economics, whether or not that means something, but the, it's, it's, it was a birth of microfinancing was, um, and bank and it's based on exactly what you just described um mm. the proof of the pudding is in the group of people each each member holding the other member accountable and um yeah it, it's what's proven to be the most effective means of getting people out of poverty was allowing them access to to capital so yeah it's i'm i'm excited when you talk about that so uh, i think it's it's phenomenal it's, it's amazing that yeah you you guys are unfamiliar with that because it just shows that, yeah, we tend to have the same good ideas across the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look—it's I, I, um, there, there, there are there are no original ideas, and that's why I don't, mm-hmm. I, I can't take any credit for anything that we are doing at the moment. Um, I'm just trying to to implement a, a version of what's already been done, um, and I don't think Bitcoin Beach, I don't think the idea they implemented is entirely original either. I'm pretty sure that the idea of um, Community banks uh, precedes um, precedes what, what they did, but it is it is a fascinating idea to have a, a a setup of of trusted individuals in the community holding the funds for the community, mm-hmm. um, and those people who are maybe not educated enough to hold their own private keys don't have to worry about that stuff. But they also don't have to trust a corporation that's headquartered somewhere in Singapore. To hold their private keys for them, they know where the people holding their keys live, and those people are not going anywhere. Um, they've been in the community for years; they are trusted and respected members of the community, and so I think it's 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 a pretty ideal setup between, you know, full self custody, which is where ideologically, um, Bitcoiners would want everybody to move in the direction of full self-custody. And I encourage people to do that as far as possible. But, you know, we got to be realistic at the same time. Um, that's just not going to work for most people. And, you know, the same thing could be said of running full nodes, you know, as, as, far, as far as Bitcoin has done a fantastic job in trying to prioritize decentralization, you can't expect every single person um, to, to do that as long as as many people as possible do it. Um, you know, de- decentralisation is sort of it's like the spectrum, um, and you want to you want to push that as far towards the decentralised end of the spectrum as possible, because that's what provides you security against interference from state or corporate actors. Um, and I think the same can be said for 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 full self custody. You know, I think full self custody is also a spectrum. You know, there, there are people who who go really you know go all out. You know, and you're talking about things like. You know, four out of five multi-sig wallets made out of hardware wallets that are constructed in their own basement, never mind ordered from online, you know, and then and then it's it's a spectrum, you know. Um, and so I think you've got to find that that happy medium. And I this idea of a community bank, um, yeah, you know, I think Bitcoin Beach illustrated that that it can work. And and what you just said, um, Ferris, that that very much reminds me. Of that I'm not familiar with that so I'd like to look into that actually.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like and share so we can find others like yourself.
2: All of this is absolutely fascinating, Herman. And um, you know, sometimes as Bitcoin as we get carried away. You know, Bitcoin's gonna um cure cancer and save the world and all that kind of stuff. We have to be pragmatic. And I, I think you're taking the right approach. You know, on one side I can see a lot of people saying, oh, it's only three stores. You know, a few kids, three stores, who cares, you know, sort of thing. But I mean, you have to start somewhere. And what you're saying about decentralization, everyone can't run their full node. You know, everyone can't. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of your vendors are actually cashing out of Bitcoin or or Lightning back into rent. I mean, that's fine. You have to start somewhere. We don't have to have everything perfect from day one. But what you're doing is exciting. And I hate to use this word because it gets overused a lot in charities, the word empowerment. But what you're really doing, you're, you're really empowering people. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, that's kind of what it's about. Um, I'm assuming, well, I shouldn't assume, the government's not maybe too happy. You're flying under the radar, but maybe the government's not too happy once you get a little bit
0: more popular. Um, no. <laughs> I think I I look... I'm, I'm under no illusions. I, I don't think I don't think that what happened in El Salvador is going to happen in South Africa. Um, I don't think South Africa is 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 anywhere near the, 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 the South African government is not entirely hostile towards Bitcoin. Um, it's not. I don't think I don't think South Africa is is going to pull a a, a move like what you saw happen in China. Or in other countries where there's been a really hard line taken against against Bitcoin, I don't think that's going to happen here. But they're not they're not going to go the El Salvador the El Salvador direction either. It's not going to become legal tender here anytime soon. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, for the time being, we are flying under the radar um, in terms of Bitcoin adoption. It's like you said. It's only three stores um, and and four coaches. So our entire effort um, so far is basically that. Um, but you have to start somewhere. Um, I don't know what the response is going to be from the authorities if this grows. I don't know if it is going to grow. We'll have to wait and see. If it does grow, it's going to have to happen organically. Um, it's not the kind of thing that's that's going to that's going to be. We we're not going to be able to to bootstrap this thing forever. Um, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Um, so we'll see. And, and in terms of what the response is, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see what, what the response is. The response from the community so far has been has been quite positive. Um, and I think that comes back to, to what you mentioned about empowerment. You know, my, my personal belief is that empowerment comes from within. So a person has to have a, 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 a adjustment in their state of mind in order to, to create empowerment for themselves. Um, you can help a person along the way um, and the best help that you can create is to help them adjust their perspective but ultimately ultimately nobody else is going to lift you up um, and and create personal empowerment that's going to have to come from the individual themselves and, and that's been that's, that's been the underlying philosophy for for, for the NPO that we started um, years ago and it's also the philosophy that I think it ties back into the Bitcoin philosophy. You know, you've got to, you've got to take responsibility um, for yourself as far as possible. Um, And I think, I think Bitcoin, yeah, Bitcoin, I don't don't think Bitcoin is going to cure cancer. (laughs) Um, I don't think Bitcoin solves everything, but it can, it can solve some of the very, very core problems that has been, has been the cause for many other issues. You know, I think we look at a lot of other issues and we don't always realize that, that there's something, it, 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 it brings me back to this idea that, that money is so fundamental to our existence. Um, it, it really is, you know, one of those very, very basic things that we need for survival, you know, um, no matter where you are on the planet, if you haven't got money, you, you, you just, you just don't survive or barely in most cases. And, if, if 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 that if that basic element of survival is corrupted um, then then one can expect a lot of other problems to sort of you know come come out of that it's kind of like it kind of makes me think about you know if there's if there's some strange volcanic eruption um tomorrow and 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 the air that we all breathe on this planet uh, becomes becomes intoxicated overnight it's going to have a lot of knock-on effects um and we might see negative side effects in areas which we never expected um and that's kind of what what our broken system of money reminds me of and and there's no doubt that 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 the monetary system is broken we've seen it over the past year where over the past two years really where you know good intentions the (laughs) the road to hell is paved paved with good intentions and and I think you know if, if you've seen central banks not not only in the U.S. but all over Europe and even here in South Africa, the amount of debt that's been loaded onto onto future generations, it's it's just not it's just not sustainable and it's gonna it's it's one way or another something's got to give um, and and you've got to you've got to have a system of money that is that is sound at its core that is fair. Um, and I think, I think that's also been something that's really once, once, once we've explained that, and I saw this happening in our coaches as well, because I mean, our coaches come from the same community where the kids come from, it's the same community where the vendors come from. And, you know, they've been pulling the short end of the stick for generations. And once, once they've gotten their head around this idea of but what Bitcoin is, the one thing that, that, that really, you know you know, created a spark and I can I can see that spark in them is when they understand that this is a fair system, it doesn't matter who you are it treats you the same way you know, whether you're a billionaire sitting somewhere you know, in, in a luxury yacht you know, without a worry in the world or whether you're a little kid who can only afford to, to save 50 bucks a week or a month the rules are the same everybody gets treated the same way and, and I think if you build a society around that principle, a lot of problems that we're trying to solve through other means will almost take care of themselves. Um, so, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what are some of your pain points at the moment? Like what maybe, again, we, we like to have our rose-colored glasses on with Bitcoin, What what are the, some of the things that are kind of, you know? Not really working, or need to improve.
0: Um, specifically, with regard to our effort, um, yeah, I think I think if, if it was easier to convert in and out of the local currency, um, that would help a lot. Um, another pain point is is education. Uh, there there's there isn't there's a lot of good efforts ongoing to translate uh, Bitcoin material into local languages. Um, but then again, even if it is, even if it is translated into a local language, uh, w- w- we work with people who, unfortunately, as a result of a failed state education system, um, the, the level of ed- ed- education is, is quite shocking sometimes. Um, so that's quite difficult. Um, that's, that's a big challenge. Uh Bitcoin also relies on on technology um, and technological devices like smartphones. Uh, access to that sort of technology is, is, is a is a bit of a pain point. You know, the the coaches who we employ and the vendors who we are spending Bitcoin with often often use very, very old phones with with, with little memory and not enough space for more than one one or two apps running at the same time you know that makes it tricky um you know a cash payment the cash payment is not is not going to fail if both people can can pass it between one another you know uh, but with bitcoin being a, a technology if if your phone crashes in the middle of trying to make a payment then <laughs> that's obviously not ideal so you know and and those devices I mean, look again. Bitcoin has done has done quite well in in trying to to be as as low tech as possible, but it still relies on technology at the end of the day. And so access to access to smartphones um, is is quite tricky. Um, and it's not just a matter of you know we, we're not necessarily going to solve that problem if somebody came out of the woodwork tomorrow and said, here's a hundred new smartphones for you, that won't necessarily solve the problem because it's again, back to education. Like you gotta, you gotta then educate people to look after this thing. You know, there's no point in cracking the screen, my man, because if you crack the screen, you're not going to see whether your payments confirmed or not. Um, So yeah, education, access to, access to basic technology, um, Conversion in and out of local currency—that's that's probably the main the main sticking points. And then Only obviously that, funding. Yeah. Sorry.
2: Just that? Only that? <laughs>
0: Only that? No. <laughs> I mean, at, at the end of the day, it's it's, it's it comes back to funding always um, because we have to keep the underlying NPO running uh, if we wanna if 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 we if we lost. And we came we came pretty close to losing this NPO with COVID. Um, a lot of our donations came from, from the tourism industry. South Africa had a had a very, very healthy uh, tourism industry prior to COVID. It it was one of the few, one of the few economic sectors that was showing a, a healthy growth. Um, you know, agriculture is another big one, but that was in decline. Mining has never been doing that well over the last couple of years. But tourism was doing really well in South Africa, and a lot of our donations came through tourism. So with COVID doing what it did, uh, we almost lost the NPO because we we had to suddenly f- try and generate donations in, in, in a very different way. So keeping the NPO running is a massive challenge, because if we lose the NPO, we lose the platform in the community. And... This is, again, going back to Bitcoin Beach and what they illustrated is that if if you're going to try and do this kind of thing with getting a a Bitcoin economy going in a a, uh, sort of relatively poor community, you have to have a platform in the community. You can't just go in there and start throwing around sats. You need Mm. people who have been working in the community for years. You need people who have earned the trust of people in the community. Um, which is again why I try and work behind the scenes and I let the coaches be the face of the organization in the community because they're the ones who've earned the community's trust. So if, if, if we, I think, I think probably the biggest, the single biggest challenge is is to keep the, keep the NPO going um, because that's, that's our platform at the end of the day.
2: I mean, you're trying to achieve something incredibly difficult. You you're going against sort of, <laughs> you know, hundreds of years of fiat currency and, not to mention the technology, the community, society. And I I think it's incredible what you're doing. Um, I could go on forever and ask you questions about Lightning, but um, we've been over an hour and Faris is about to fall asleep. So uh, anyone, well, us as a podcast, Bitcoin Basics, Faris and myself, but also someone listening to this, how can they help you?
0: Um, Yeah, I think... I think, I think awareness is, is probably the, if, if people, if people know about what we are trying to do, then, 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 then that's, then that's the most important thing. Um, Donating will help the effort, obviously. Um, But I think the donations will come again. It has, this, this has to happen organically. If it is going to work then then it has to happen organically if if the community doesn't want it or they don't need it then it shouldn't work and if the bitcoin community is is not willing to support it then maybe it shouldn't work either um but if we can if we can spread awareness of what we're trying to do and enough people find out then i think it will grow organically if it's something that 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 needs to happen so i think the first and the most mm-hmm. important thing is awareness and i mean that's basically what we're doing at the moment you know i'm um, I'm, I'm talking about it, and you guys have given me this platform to talk about it, and that's helping to spread awareness. So, I think that's probably the most important thing.
3: So, would donations from our listeners be of any help to um, to you, Herman? Because we don't want to see you guys lose the NPO.
0: Um, absolutely, it would. Uh, I mean, of course, donations you know is what is what keeps the is what keeps the NPO going, um, but. I don't i you know a a donation has to be something that that sort of a person has to a person has to feel good about donating to a cause and and so i don't i don't want to stress that too much it's kind of something that if it happens it's good and it should happen but if it doesn't happen then then maybe we should look at what we're doing and trying to do it in a different way um so yeah donations never feel
3: good (laughs) (laughs) bitcoiners it's always the end of the world
0: I mean, look, if if we can if if we can find one OG Bitcoiner who's willing to go, here's a Bitcoin for you, that would be fantastic. <laughs> um, I think that's what happened with uh, I think that's what that's what got Bitcoin Beach off the ground. Um Bitcoin Beach actually was not the first NPO that this donor approached. Uh, he approached many NPOs before he got to Bitcoin Beach. And um he had a he had a condition attached to his donation which is that you guys have to use this donation in bitcoin and mm. so it was it was michael peterson who eventually uh, showed him a, a a plan of action that that looked like it, it could work and um if we could find someone like that that'd be fantastic obviously uh, but i think well, awareness uh, we'll is more it- important
3: we'll put a link up there and um, yeah, we'll get our viewers to send you guys some sets because this is, I mean, this is real world life-changing difference that you guys are doing. And uh, just to defend myself when Goran says I'm falling asleep, don't take it personally, Herman. I've been battling a flu for over a week. And in my part of the world, it is past my bedtime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand. No stress. It's all good.
2: So in all seriousness, i mean, and I'll put everything in the description of the show notes, but if someone does want to donate and, we have a lot of audio listeners. Give us a link or or somewhere they can go.
0: Well, we've got a we've we've got a um, a, a lightning network uh, donation address on our Twitter profile. Uh, there's a little QR code on our on our header image. Um, that's uh, that's an URL QR code. So any any sats that are donated uh, to that address um, comes straight to us. Uh, and that will be used to to cover the coach's salaries. Really, um, we've also got a a Bitcoin address uh, which is not Lightning Network that you can donate to. Again, also on our Twitter profile, which is at Ekasi. Otherwise, we also take Bitcoin donations on the website to the Surf Kids, which is Um, And yeah, any donations that we receive in Bitcoin. Uh, will not be converted back to fiat uh, we will use those donations to pay salaries to the coaches and the more bitcoin the more donations we receive in bitcoin the more we'll we will move the coaches salaries away from fiat currency and onto bitcoin and slowly but surely um, push more satoshis into the into the community that way
2: Fantastic. cool and when is your nft coming out <laughs>
0: No, I think for the time being we focused on Bitcoin only. It's just it it just makes things easier, you know. Um, you know, I've I've got I've got nothing personally, I've got nothing against interesting developments in the wider cryptocurrency space. Um, but there's so much happening in Bitcoin already that it just feels like, you know, if if, if I'm gonna overwhelm the coaches with that stuff, <laughs> we're not gonna make much progress. So we focused on Bitcoin only for now. And probably will be. <laughs> oh,
3: that's exactly where we are on this show. Herman, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yeah, if it's okay with you, we'd love to catch up with you again next year. Um, absolutely. I, yeah, if I'm ever allowed to leave Fortress New Zealand, I'll definitely have to come and visit you.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, would, I would really enjoy that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Herman. Yeah, really.
2: Really appreciate it, Herman and and you know to get a boots on the ground or surfboards in the water a report from someone who's actually doing you know this work and 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 it is uphill you know what you've discussed mm. is incredibly difficult difficult so so hats off to you your team the coaches and we will definitely be following you with with interest as well so uh, again you. people all links in the show notes in the description please please check that out and help Herman
0: thank you very much thanks Herman. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.
1: Thanks for watching or listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share so we can spread this educational content to others like yourself. Visit bitcoinbasics.help.
3: Disclaimer any content provided by Coin Compass is for educational and informational purposes only and is not investment, legal, tax, or any other professional advice. A qualified professional should be consulted before making any financial decisions. CoinCompass will at times recommend certain products, services, and technologies, but these are opinions based upon our own or podcast guests' experience and not endorsements. We take no liability for out-of-date or inaccurate information, software bugs, manufacturing errors, technology misuse, or issues involving third parties. Visit CoinCompass.com for more information and please contact us.